0: Um, and many of us already know Ann because she's a bit of a dandelion. Uh, when the Holy Spirit blew into Nan so many years ago, he just kept on blowing. And those seeds of truth have been planted in many of us, um, maybe through Denton Bible or BTCL or Bible Study Fellowship or uh, at Razor Ranch or many of the homes that she's taught the Bible in, many of us have known who God is because man has explained his character to us. But I want to say, too, to those of you who don't know her, that she's also a sunflower. And that, like the sunflower who wakes up every morning looking eastward, waiting for the sun, and then traces the sun's movement across the sky all day long until it's a complete westward-facing end of the day. That's man. See, the sunflower has drawn its life from the light of the sun. It's a sun worshiper. And um, you just can't fake that kind of relationship with God. You, You have to have drawn your life from the light of God to be that connected. And that's what we get when we hear from man. And so uh, I'm excited this morning that she's going to bring us into God's presence and into the light so that we can better understand the world we live in, our own hearts, and most especially our God. So, Nan, we're so excited you're here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you,
1: Lisa. (laughs) I hope you'll bear with me because with my right eye, the lesion's there. I'm blurry all the time, so it's my left eye that's doing the work, (laughs) so if I stop, (laughs) right. You know, uh, not call me back the last of, oh, I'm sorry. Not call me the last of um, January, March, to see if I was that they would be starting as a team in uh, December, and it happened, and look at you now. Look at you. And I have many good friends here, and some have showed up today, and I told my girls, God uh, and Aubrey, I said, I don't think there'll be many people. This is the first time back, but thank you for coming. Uh, of course, Jan Sims is here, and she, all right, our family, Actually, calls her a doctor since. But she's been a tremendous help to me. And uh, of course Connie has been through our BTCL program and so has Jan Melrose. Jan and Pat have beautiful voices that they're sharing with you. Um, you know I'm excited with Connie going through her new marriage. Isn't it wonderful? So and David and uh, uh, Jennifer Brown, we supported as missionaries in, while they were in Mexico, and they're special to us. And so course, Nock and John, or when I was had ovarian surgery in 2016, John was there to pray for me. And he was there yesterday to pray for me, and it's just so special. Uh, Nock's sister, Fong, we have supported from day one when she was on the mission field. Now she's a caregiver to her dad at home. So, and we prayed for Rachel and Michael for so many years. Anyway, we're glad. We just love that family, don't y'all? All of them. Teresa Price was a BSF leader for us, and there are others, and Ramona's here. She's my boss at Woman to Woman. And uh, uh, just so many of you have uh, been a part of my life, and I want to thank you uh, so much. So, we, you know, John and I, too, have been on the groundwork of a new church. <laughs> it's hard work. But let me tell you, there's great joy in it. And we have watched all of you love each other in ways that is unbelievable. As you pray for each other, you keep in contact. And we've even missed it uh, several times and <clears throat> um, and when we don't have prior choir church, and, our members showed up at the same time. And some of them are with you now. Well, not gave me a list of topics to cover with you. <coughs> she said, you can talk for an hour an hour and a half. I said, nobody wants to listen to anybody at long. So uh, I've cut it real short, shorter. <laughs> and uh, there's there's too much to cover. So we'll hit it to, uh surface. So I grew up in Mississippi in a small town called Moorhead to be a Texan, you know. And I, I want to tell you that I had a very happy childhood. Mm-hmm. My parents, i, I well, God bless me. Uh, my parents loved each other deeply and it showed. And I'm so glad it did. And uh, it's been wonderful. Uh, I accepted Christ when I was nine years old. <laughs> Believe it or not, in church, I've never taught to pray or read my Bible. Uh, just come to church sir. and serve. Uh, and so I used to say that I don't have much of a testimony because it wasn't dramatic like so many I'd heard. And yes, my testimony is not dramatic, but God convicted me of that because uh, He saved me. He saved me. And so. I'm very grateful for that. He's a good guy. And listen, he is very patient. John and I started in kindergarten together. Uh, we ran around in the same crowd in high school, dating different people, didn't date we got to college. However, he says he's on me since third grade. I love it. I love it. When we were in fourth grade, I can still see it. We were on the playground playing red ball, but right I was on that side, he was on this side. And he looked at me and he said, you have the softest hands. And I was thrilled, not because a boy said that to me, but I had just started using turtle slush. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that is God's command huh? uh, When John and I, John went with Delta after the Air Force, we moved to Dallas. I got involved in BSL. And it was there that I began to dig and study and learn and discipline myself, you know, and fall more in love with my Savior. And uh, during that time, I will tell you, in those days, Lisa, we had to have a substitute twice. And so I taught the other times, and God kept me well all those 38 years. Is that not good? So after my retirement from BSF, and you know uh, Christians never retire, right? Been teaching other Bible studies, became a part of my life. One of my favorites was to teach a group of young women that came to my house at 6.30 on Monday mornings before they went to work. That's commitment. I love those women. So it's all a, a growing process. We continue to grow. Well, when John and I married, I assumed, I assumed he was a Christian. Why? Because he went to church, and I went to church. He went to the Methodist Church. A bow came through our little town. That's what we called it. Methodist Church on one side, Baptist Church on the other. And I, I assumed he was uh, a Christian. We don't assume. So when we got engaged, he joined the Baptist Church with me and then he went to the Air Force and we always found a church wherever we went. One Sunday morning at Bergstrom Air Force Base in Austin, uh, John got sick. It made me mad. He ever been bad, John? <laughs> and I thought, he just doesn't want to go to church, I'm going by myself. And I did. And when I got home, he was so sick. And I felt so bad. But you know what I did? He convicted me. And he thought, you cannot be your husband's Holy Spirit. You have to back off. And then when I did that, I love the words, but God. He used that in my life. So a few months ago, we were having lunch with our daughter, Aubrey. And uh, she was not born at the time of this story. So we were, we were refreshing her memory on how John came to the Lord. And uh, we were stationed at March Air Force Base in California, and John flew to Atlanta on a one-day trip to Delta Airlines uh, to take paperwork that they had lost. And uh, on the way home from that, but God put him in uh, from Atlanta to L.A. Put him in a uh, seat next to the evangelist John Haggai. Now that's not the John Haggai in uh, San Antonio. This is John Haggai, who was head of the evangelism in all of Europe. And so John returned from that trip, and I had gotten a babysitter to go to the movies, and <coughs> we went to the parking lot. He said, I think it's full. I thought, how can it be full? We haven't even been in. And he said, uh, how would you like to go into Roomside and hear John Haggai? I said, oh, I'd love it. Well, we sat in that church in the middle of Dr. Haggai's talk. He said, Oh, there's my good friend, Captain John Anderson. And I loved And he said, hey, I was running late for a meeting. He took my bags to the hotel. I, and I couldn't believe it. So after the meeting, uh, we met Dr. Haggai, and then he introduced us to his right hand man, Dan Ray Sutherland. And Mr. Sutherland spoke to me. I mean, are you been in the church at all? And he said, John, are you a Christian? John said, yeah. uh, uh, he said, are you a Christian? And John said, depends on your definition of <laughs> Christian. He said, well, do you believe in God? He said, yes. Do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Yes. Do you believe that he died for your sins? I do. And so it so happened that years ago, a man had asked John that son, those same questions. And he said, well, you're a Christian then. Well, Mr. Sutherland went one step further, and he said, have you ever committed your life to Christ? And John said, no, nope. need to clean up my act first. And the reply came very quickly. Well, son, you'll never make it, because you can't do it on your own. Only Jesus can clean up your act." On the way home, John said, how come nobody ever asked me that before? Mm-hmm. Now, women. We'd been in church every Sunday. We'd have the gospel presented almost every Sunday. It's all about God's timing, is it not? So that night, uh, John received Christ. He prayed to receive Christ. and I got to watch what God did in my husband. Every day, he spends uh, at least an hour and a half or two hours in his Bible. He writes the most beautiful devotions that I keep saying you need to publish those. So I love the way God works. Well, we didn't know it, but Aubrey, uh, a week later, had lunch with a group of friends, and she shared this story. And her, her friend, Gail, was going to see a friend that week who was dying of cancer, and she had only uh, a, few time, a few weeks to live. And Gail wanted to share the gospel. She didn't know how. She'd never been trained. And then she remembered the questions that had been asked of John, and she used those questions with her friend who came to Christ before she died. Now, the moral of that story, there are many ways to witness and share the gospel, many techniques, but let me tell you, we have a great and mighty God who can bring about a changed life with simple questions. God alone can touch the heart and he will use whatever words he chooses. So we don't ever want to put him in a box and limit him to what he's doing. You know, we can all be witnesses, whether in word, deed, or whatever, for our Lord. So John and I married right after college. It's been a good marriage. In fact, I could say it's been a great marriage. Not perfect, because no marriage is, but our relationship, the Lord has been the center. We we read about uh, you know you read about issues with married couples, with financial, sex, disrespect, parenting, religion, whatever, and we all struggle with things like that. But I would say that some of the major problems God has spared us from those, and I'm I'm very thankful. In fact, uh, that's one of the topics. Knox uh, said I, she would like for the address. How, how do you She's she's giving me too many topics. (laughs) Well, I will say that our issue, John and I for the most part, has been communication. We misunderstand or we speak, or I thought you said that, or whatever. Anyway, several years ago, a a good friend shared that, uh, that she and her husband, when they had a disagreement or argument, that one of them would say to the other, you might be right. And it broke the tension. And she said, when we both knew we were right, but it calmed everything. And so we've been doing it for years now, ever since. It's been fun. <laughs> now, parenting can be difficult, can it not? I would love to go back and do things differently with these girls. You know, John and I made the decision one time that, I, that we would not argue in front of the children. Um, well, that night at summer table, I got mad at John for something. I wish I could remember what it was. And I picked up a piece of, a piece of cornbread and threw it at <laughs> him. <laughs> anyway, he left, got up, instead of arguing with me, and went to the bedroom. And Helen was sitting there. Do you remember then? <laughs> Tears running down her cheeks. She was in first grade. And the people, I some, Parents were getting divorced in first grade, evidently the kids. And she said, does this mean that you and daddy are gonna part? Well, I hopped up, went to the bedroom, told John what she said, and they came back. We assured the, the girls of our love. And uh, in fact, as adults, I've asked them "Have, have we ever, if uh, you ever doubted that we loved each other. And they said, never, never, never. So. I'm, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Uh, I'm grateful. So, if you ever disagree with your husband, uh, you do what we do. It, one, uh, another time, I got mad at John for some reason, and I went to my piano, believe it or not. Never done it before, nor since, and I played hymns. Guess what? The words of those hymns started to go through my mind, and I got up to walk down the hall to go apologize to John. And the hymn he heard also, same words, came down the hall to apologize to me. I thought, God is so creative. Now, one of the questions that Nock asks is how do you do ministry in order to be faithful? Well, let me tell you, it is always a choice. It's a choice. Uh, We're making hundreds of choices a day. When I joined VSF, Years ago it required discipline. I didn't have any. I didn't. Think. <laughs> and I found it I found it best to prepare my my teaching or the training of others or everything. Preparation's the key, is it not, Lisa? Lisa texted me yesterday and she said praying for your preparation. I thought, it's been prepared for two months. You <laughs> know you prepare ahead of time. So if I were not prepared today, what would that tell you? I, tell you, I don't think very much of you. I don't think very much of myself. That I'm very t- I, I, and I'm not honoring the Lord when I do that. So you see, uh, many people know God's word, <laughs> but they don't apply it. Is that not true? You can have a whole lot of Bible knowledge, but if you don't live out what you know, it, it is far not. So Christian living depends on Christian. Faith. If, you know, and it depends on Christian learning. If, if, uh, if Satan can keep a Christian ignorant, he can keep him impotent. So that's what happens if we don't know God's word. Sin is a terrible master. It finds a willing servant in any human being. So the body can be controlled by sin or by God. So how we choose depends on the master we serve. So I love anything on Howard Hendricks, read everything, but he said the problem with the church today is that it is 100 miles wide and an eighth of an inch deep. Are y'all having a hard time with my voice? (laughs) So why why did he, that's okay, thank you. Why did he say that? It's because many Christians don't fully believe, understand what they believe. What does doctrine have to do with life? It has everything to do with life. Doctrine is God's truth about God and life. So what we believe determines how we behave, determines how we live. If we don't know what we believe, or if we don't, what we believe is not the truth, then we are unprepared to face the challenges of our day. If we're not grounded in scripture, let me tell you, we will waver. We will be influenced to strength. We will be, we will be. In a mess where it won't be stable. It's crucial that we be grounded in scripture. So, do you not face spiritual warfare? (coughs) You bet every day. Sometimes we recognize it, sometimes we don't. So, the old devil will put roadblocks in our path to keep us from focusing on the Lord. He is pretty good at it. So, we all face difficulties and trials. We pray and wait for God to answer. And I've heard people say that uh, God doesn't answer your prayer. because they got a no answer. You know, he will say, no, yes, wait, maybe you You'll never know. So I know this. You women are great at praying for each other. And the Apostle Paul sets a great example for us because <clears throat> he earnestly prayed, for his readers and converts. He said, you're always in my prayers. So his prayer was a magnanimous example. But he was a busy man because his ministry stretched from Syria to Rome. He crossed desert passes and mountains. He, uh, I'm sorry, my eye went. He travels by foot and sea. He was frequently beaten. He was in prison for his faith everywhere he went he established churches and what was so impressive to me is that after he established them he kept in constant contact with him is that not an example that's amazing no one was pressed for more time than paul and yet he modeled a strong and consistent prayer line what an example and yes we can pray about the biggest the smallest the in between things in our lives God has commanded that we do so. Is there anything that you and I face that is greater than he? Absolutely not, not ever. I, I left my phone at home, but I had a friend who said, you need to tell the women that. I have a prayer list at home, yes, but when, I, when I'm out and about, stuff on my phone, if you have a smartphone or whatever, and emails come, I will take the emails off because they are on my computer. But those things for a prayer list I leave on so I can go through and pray, right? Woman to woman is one of the tops, you know? We need prayer, so. Uh, Several years ago, uh, my sister Betty and our cousin Mike went to the hills of Mississippi to meet relatives I'd never met and we visited the church that my great-great-grandfather founded, And then when we visited in the home of our uh, relative, I sat on the couch with my great-great-aunt. She was in her late 90s, sharp as a cat. And I asked her, I said, what could you tell me about your grandmother that was my great-great-grandmother that you remember? And she said as a child that she was, they were visiting, and she came down the stairs, and she said her grandmother was in prayer. And she said, I heard her pray uh, a lot of things, and then she prayed for her children, her grandchildren, and then then she added these words, and all those to come. (laughs) That's still emotional to me, I'm sorry, but that included me. So now, with all my prayers, I add, and all those to come. So, One question I also ask, yes, I don't know that I'm even covering everything. What were different seasons of life that have been challenging to you? Well, I have to confess, I am a very positive person, as was my sister and mother. And I asked mother one time, I said, Mom, when Betty and I were growing up, what stage was your favorite? Her answer is what I needed to hear. She said, the one where you were. And I thought, oh, that is so great. We are to every face, not that they are not struggles or trials. In fact, somebody told us one time, you're gonna hate teenagers. We decided we love them. The trials were there, but we, we loved having teenagers. Anyway, my friend Deanna Campbell has corrected me and her mom about the terrible twos. She said they're not terrible twos trainable tunes. (laughs) Then I told that to somebody this week. (laughs) I said, this is my friend. In fact, years ago there was a BSF mom and she was looking for a church home and she visited uh, a a church where uh, her her two-year-old Drew's BSF leader was a member and that BSF leader was in the children's leader was in the foyer (laughs) and when they walked in she was completely out of context for little Drew, and he looked at her and he said, the word of the Lord is right. That was his memory verse that week. That mom, and you moms too work with your kids on memory, I see that. Anyway, that, that is good. And uh, in fact, even one year when we could do this, Lisa, I had a, a four-year-old, at the end, in uh, and, and, and April, yeah, I think April, say all the memory verses that you do that whole, every week. So it was a lot. You know, there are people who say they don't need Jesus because he's just a crutch. Well, let me tell you, we wouldn't exist without him. We wouldn't, He's the only crutch I need. I mean, he's the only crutch you need. So when testings come, God gives you and me the greatest, himself. So, through his strength, we try it in our testing. So, we don't know who holds the future. We don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. Amen and thank you. So, as we focus on Jesus, he empowers us to live a life of enduring faith. I have a friend whose son is a Navy SEAL. and She asked him one time, she said, Stephen, how do you stay focused when you're on a mission trip on a, on a sandy beach at night you can't move and you're waiting in a dangerous situation how do you stay focused well his answer to her was priceless he said we never get comfortable till we get home mm-hmm. and how true that is you and i as christians we live in a fallen world we never get comfortable until we get to our heavenly home. So we wanna choose well with a faith that endures to the end. Well, four years ago, I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. <clears throat> I had surgery and chemo, and that cancer has now spread to everywhere. And the doctor, uh, the last time, or time before, well, she said, every time she sounded surprised to see you. Last time, she said, I give you less than a year. And so we, we struggled through that. You know? The girls gave me a pain pill and a nausea pill. Right before I came in here. They are real doctors and they're tough. They're bossy.
0: (laughs) Well, my my John, you know, God,
1: God, I trust the the Lord to take care. I've decided no more chemo, just natural stuff. And so, the Lord knows I'm supposed to take care of my body the best I can. Now, my John has been amazing. I knew he loved me, but he has shown me the love of Jesus like nobody else. He has cooked, he's cleaned, he's washed clothes, he's taken me to doctors, he's run errands, he's tucked me in bed. And one husband laughed, "Tucked you in bed?" And I thought, "Ah, mm-hmm. he touched me in bed. I love it." So I cannot tell you all he's done. And you know what he keeps telling me? I love taking. And of course, uh, these four years have become very precious to us. We hug a lot, we kiss a lot, we laugh a lot, we communicate better, beautifully. We <clears throat> pray together, we share our quiet times, we love being together. This is show showgirl. <laughs> and our daughters Helen we have been coming every week, at least every Saturday, sometimes three times a week. And uh, they have spoiled us, they have, cooked and they cleaned and everything. One week, uh, they said, our next project will be your pantry. So I went to the pantry and straightened it up. <laughs> I said, it's done, you don't have to do that, we're just visiting. They came right in and fixed my pantry, like it should be. It still looks that way today, right? Uh, several, several months ago, I met with a young woman that I'm sure you're familiar with in this, uh, has a rare cancer, and I, John had, Brown had asked me to meet with her. And at the end of our talk together, I asked her, I said, if there's anything I said to you helped, will you tell me what it is? And she said, yeah. She said, you're sharing about Habakkuk. And I thought, oh, my goodness. That scripture, God was talking to her. So I want to share about Habakkuk because he's my favorite prophet. He went to God with questions, and he came to God honestly, desperately, sincerely, because his world was in a turmoil. It was about everything was going wrong—violence, corruption, crime—and everything was gonna fall apart. And he said, "Why, Lord? Why are you making this happen?" Habakkuk went to God like this, and I'm so glad he did because it tells me. That I can to pray about everything. Habakkuk knew what to do was to take his promise to the Lord. <laughs> Sometimes we go anywhere else and then come to the Lord as the last resort. But Habakkuk's not afraid to ask questions, he's not afraid to tell the Lord how he feels. How long shall I cry? So he's disturbed, <laughs> that's an understatement, about God's seemingly indifference to the sins of the people. We know we look around, we see crime rampant, everything, even the long-standing foundations of our country are almost gone. There's outright unbelief in God. And on top of that, we all suffer as individuals, right? We sometimes don't know how much we can say and we think, is God still working? Habakkuk was saying, I'm living in a wicked nation and you're not doing anything about it. Can you imagine talking to God like that? He did. God said he certainly was, he, because of Judah's rebellion and disobedience, he was sending the Babylonians to take them into exile. And I'm like to say, but God, wait a minute, you're gonna use the ungodly against your own people. I understand we deserve it. But why would you do that? You know, know how, no matter how devastating that judgment sounded, a back of true hope from God's holiness and faithfulness. So when my trials and circumstances come, well, we cling, we cling to God's faithfulness with the assurance that no matter what happens, He is faithful. So the answer of life's problems are not in the why. It's in the who capital of you H O. Peace comes from relying on and trusting in my infinite God who does everything for his glory. And we don't understand everything right now. We do, but we will one day. And we've all waited for God to answer our prayers and our fears, our questions, our doubts. God has very good reasons why we wait. Habakkuk gives that wonderful verse, the righteous will live by faith. We don't live by circumstances. We don't live by feelings, reasoning, or we live by faith. Faith in God and what he says he's gonna do and and he what he promises. So we find Habakkuk found out, we find out God's interested in problems in life. Habakkuk discovered that God was very much concerned because he loved him. He loved his people. So I know this. Faith hinders no I'm sorry. Fear hinders faith. Trust hinders Kindles the confidence. So I want to combat my fear, and they do come. Habakkuk then, everything precious was being gonna be taken from him. If everything precious was taken from us, would it be would God bend up? It was for Habakkuk. So all this brings Habakkuk to the only thing he can do: to praise, to prayer, to adoration, to worship. In awe of Almighty God. And we see a changed man. Instead of complaining, he's praising. God turned his sign into a song. He can do that for you and me. And the last verse of Acts says it, when everything that was going wrong, he used that great word, yet. Yeah. Yet yeah, I will trust him. Mm. He knew that he had no strength of his own. But that God would give him the strength he would need to go through what they had. Even with my problems remain and the pressures are still there, there can be a strengthening that makes me trust my God in the circumstances. Because you see, I want to be a yet Christian to everybody. This little book opened in gloom, it closes in glory. Habakkuk began with an interrogation of God. He ends with intercession and prayer for his people. His worry is transformed to worship. His fear turns to faith. His terror becomes trust. Hang-ups are resolved in hope. Anguish <coughs> melts in adoration. And so the answer to Habakkuk's why? Who? Capital W H O. And so Habakkuk didn't finish somehow struggling, he as triumphantly as Miss Johnson would say. That is why what God wants for you and me to meet everyday purposes, everyday problems, everyday trials and struggles, every joys with him. He doesn't want to let us go. So I've said before I'm in a win-win situation. <clears throat> when the Lord takes me home I get to worship him what? forever. He leaves me here a little while longer I get to serve him. What a privilege. There was a little boy walking across the parking lot after church and he saw the pastor walking to his car and he ran over and he said, Pastor, can I ask you a question? And the pastor said, you sure can. He said, well, I heard your sermon and I'm a little confused. You said, I can invite Jesus into my heart. And the pastor said, you can. And the little boy said, but you said, Jesus was in a man's body and living up in heaven. And the pastor said, that's right. And he said, well, I'm just a little boy. If, if I invite Jesus into my life, and he comes to live in me, he'll be sticking out all over
0: me. <laughs> and the pastor ran and said,
1: that is right. Now, ladies, that is great theology. When you and I live a life for Jesus, a life loving him and serving him and others, he is gonna stick out all over in our lives. So it will be a commitment, a commitment. Now, we know our culture is permeated with all kinds of sin. So we live our lives so that when the Christ is seen, and we encourage others, our kids, our relatives, our parents, to draw near. We go, so we draw near to him. Drawing near, I like this, drawing near to Jesus and living for him requires what? Commitment. Pressing on to maturity, growing spiritually, it requires an inward commitment. As the Holy Spirit rules, letting the Holy Spirit rule in our lives, it requires an upward commitment, focusing on Jesus, and then never wavering from that focus. And it requires an outward commitment, doing good, being kind, loving as He loved. Y'all are good at that. And it requires a lifetime commitment, running the race with endurance. (laughs) So the challenge for us is to live a life of faith that brings honor and glory to God. You know, I am continually amazed at how God works in my life. He convicts me, he leads me, he guides me, he sustains me, he loves me. And guess what? I never will stop being amazed at the God that I have what he does. So, knock, I'm not sure I covered all the bases and just barely, but that's it. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you for the wonderful privilege that you give me to come. I appreciate it more than you know, and your patience with me.